0: No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com, code, program.
1: Thank you for listening to Depictions Media Radio. Welcome to Policy and Rights, the show about government policy and human rights. Welcome back to Policy and Right Here in Depictions Media Radio. I'm your host Michael Clogs. We have to understand a, f- a few basic things um, about global economy, and while we're looking at our or, our own local economy and maybe our national or and provincial economies and what is going on there, we also have to look at a broader scope and open up. To, to see what's also happening around the rest of the world. And a lot of this has to do with... Because we not only do we need to see that. So that we have a view for pleasure senses. Such as travel and things like that. Making sure that we take the right precautions. When we travel around the world as we do. But there's other, other considerations to to this because as we saw with the pandemic that while the richer company countries got vaccinated and found medical help faster, that the disease kept spreading because the smaller, lesser developed countries weren't quite able. And a lot of that has to do with the wealth gap. And right now, that the wealth gap is extreme when we have our billionaires, of course, uh, that are like 1% of 1%. And then on the other side, we have those that that make enough money for a day that maybe by the end of the week, they can have enough coinage in our in our in our economy to buy a bowl of rice to feed their families and that's where the the problems start to ha- happen and this is what something of what uh, the World Health Organization and dr. Tedros uh, speak about when they start talking about global economy and how we have to do things to balance things out so that people can have access to health care, medications, and be able to lead happier lives and healthier lives. That we need to do things to balance off that wealth gap so that the infrastructure to get humanitarian aid and that medication can be a smooth road to these people that actually need it. And when we look at one of the most horrifying places in our world right now, with the wars raging between Gaza and, and Israel, uh, we're where the Palestinians in their homes are just being destroyed one by one due to rocket fire, drone strikes, whatever else that is being thrown into that area, that humanitarian efforts are at a slow in their children, massive amounts of children and women who are suffering and dying because of the of the blockages to getting humanitarian aid to them Did, the, the, that the we can't get the aid to them so because there's no infrastructure left to pave that road that people are dying of starvation and of de- disease before maybe a, a they may even get close to where the Israel and Palestinians are actually firing and fighting. So one of the things that so we need to need to look at that global economy so that we can figure out how to build the right infrastructures so that aid can get to the people who actually need it. And one of the other things that Dr. Tedros always talks about with that. So why don't we listen to Dr. Tedros as he is in a Zoom conference with a economic summit just about that, econ- uh, global economy and uh, global health. transformative change at the WHO,
2: implementing long-term strategic plans to deliver measurable impact, and has also overseen the international response to some of the biggest public health crises of the modern era, including the Ebola epidemic and the more recent COVID-19 pandemic. Prior to his appointment at the WHO, he has served in Ethiopia's federal government, both as Minister of Health and of Foreign Affairs, and has held various leadership positions in global health leading the fight against AIDS, tuberculosis, and malaria. We truly are honored to have you here with us at WES 2024. Without further ado, please welcome Dr.
3: Tedros Ghebreyesus. Good evening. It's an honor to join you. And I thank the organizers of the World Week Economic Summit for the invitation. And thank you to the moderator also for the kind introduction. I'm sorry I can't be with you in person, but I thank the organizers for allowing me to join you virtually. But hopefully next time I will join you in person. Fora like this are so important for bringing students together to consider some of the most pressing issues in our world. And I don't need to tell you that our world is at a very dangerous juncture. Conflict and insecurity, political division, geopolitical tension, inflation and increasing poverty, narrow nationalism, and the overshadowing climate crisis. The COVID-19 pandemic exposed and exacerbated many of these problems, and it also exposed serious gaps in the world's defenses against health emergencies. There was inadequate governance, insufficient and unpredictable financing, systemic inequalities and lack of transparency, rampant misinformation, and a failure of global solidarity in the face of a common threat. At the global level, these gaps led to a lack of coordination and cooperation, a lack of sharing of information, and a lack of sharing of resources and tools. Inevitably, the poorest countries were left behind, waiting for scraps. To be sure, there were also successes. The development of vaccines in record time was a triumph of science. And through COVAX, those vaccines reached the world's poorest and most vulnerable faster than they would have otherwise. Compared to HIV, where there was a 10-year gap between the richest and the poorest countries getting access to life-saving drugs, We have made good progress, but not good enough. There should not be any excuse for inequitable access to life-saving products because all lives are of equal value. We cannot allow the same thing to happen next time. And there will be a next time. History teaches us that the next pandemic is a matter of when, not if. It may be caused by an influenza virus or a new coronavirus, or it may be caused by a new pathogen we don't even know about yet, which is what we refer to as disease X. There has been a lot of attention on disease X recently, but in fact, It's not a new thing. We first used the term disease X in 2018 when we published a document called the R&D blueprint, which identified a group of priority pathogens with epidemic and pandemic potential for which there were no effective vaccines, tests, or treatments. That included SARS, MERS, Ebola, Marburg, and others. But we also recognized the need for research capacities to respond rapidly to a new pathogen that hadn't been seen before. We call that unknown pathogen, disease X. It was, if you like, a placeholder for a new disease we don't know about yet. COVID-19 was a disease X, a new pathogen causing a new disease. but there will likely be another disease X or a disease Y or Z. And as things stand, the world remains unprepared for the next disease X and the next pandemic. If it struck tomorrow, we would face many of the same problems we faced with COVID-19. It's urgent, therefore, that all of us learn the painful lessons the pandemic taught us and make the changes that must be made to keep all of us safer. It's for that reason that in December 2022, WHO's member states met in Geneva and agreed to develop an international agreement on pandemic preparedness and response. The pandemic agreement will be international law, a legally binding pact between countries to work together to make the world safer against future pandemics. The draft agreement has been developed through a process of extensive consultation and public hearings. Everyone has had an opportunity to contribute. Public health experts, civil society, the private sector, academic groups, student associations, and members of the general public. When they started on this journey, countries set themselves a deadline of completing the agreement in time for adoption at the World Health Assembly in May of this year. However, there are currently two major obstacles to meeting that deadline. The first is a group of issues on which countries have not yet reached consensus. They're making progress, but there are still areas of difference that need further negotiation. None of them are insurmountable. If countries listen to each other's concerns, I'm confident they can find common ground and a common approach. It's essential that countries resolve these issues in time for the World Health Assembly in May. I believe they can and will. Failure to finalize the agreement would be a missed opportunity for which future generations may not forgive us. We must seize this opportunity. The second major barrier is the torrent of fake news, lies, and conspiracy theories about the pandemic agreement. Maybe you have heard some of them, that the agreement is a power grab by WHO, that it will cede sovereignty to WHO and give it power to impose lockdowns or vaccine mandates on countries. These claims are completely false. The agreement will give WHO no such powers. WHO did not impose anything on anyone during the COVID-19 pandemic, not lockdowns, not mask mandates, not vaccine mandates. We don't have the power to do that. We don't want it and we're not trying to get it. These are decisions for governments who are accountable to their people. Our job is to support governments with evidence-based guidance and advice so they can make the best decisions to protect the health of their people. But the decisions are theirs. Anyone who says the pandemic agreement will give WHO any power over sovereign states is either uninformed or lying. But don't take my word for it. The draft agreement is available on the WHO website for anyone who wants to read it, and anyone. Who does will find that it does not include a single sentence or a single word giving WHO any power over sovereign states. That's because it's sovereign states themselves who are writing the agreement. Why would they agree to cede sovereignty to WHO? The agreement has been written by countries, for countries, and will be implemented in countries in accordance with their own national laws in fact WHO will not even be a party to the agreement the parties are governments and governments.
0: every day we rise challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in at u.s border patrol protecting our borders is more than a job it's a calling agents answer the call working together to keep our country and community safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.
4: This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! <laughs> and this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty. Ah, smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has arm and hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash, hmm, you can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of Hefty Large Black Bags.
3: So long. The agreement also includes a provision that will allow any party, any country, to withdraw from it at any time. Far from ceding sovereignty, the agreement actually affirms national sovereignty and national responsibility in its foundational principles. In fact, the agreement is itself an exercise of sovereignty. It's about what countries are committing to do to keep themselves and each other safer from pandemics. They are committing to strengthen their own health and regulatory systems, to develop and implement national pandemic plans, to protect and invest in health and care workers, to build capacities for research and development, to ensure equitable access to vaccines and other products, to strengthen international sharing of knowledge, data and technology, to share biological samples with each other for research and development, to establish a global supply chain and logistics network, to communicate better with their populations, and to finance their work on pandemic preparedness. Is there anything in that list that's a problem? Is there anyone who thinks countries should not cooperate? Does anyone think countries should not share information? Does anyone think some people are more deserving than others of access to vaccines and other tools? The pandemic agreement is not a conspiracy. It's a commitment a commitment that your governments are making on your behalf to protect you and future generations. And they are recognizing that they can only do that by working with other countries. Because pathogens have no regard for the lines humans draw on maps, nor for the color of our politics, the size of our economies, or the strengths of our military. For everything that makes us different, we are one humanity, the same species, sharing the same DNA and the same planet. We have no future, but common future. Doesn't it just make sense for countries to work together on a common threat? After all, that's what the United Nations is. Nations uniting to find common solutions to common problems. The UN Charter, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, the Geneva Conventions are all treaties in international law that have shaped the world in which we live and continue to do so. Likewise, nations have signed numerous treaties against human-made threats like nuclear, chemical and biological weapons, tobacco and climate change. So surely, It makes sense for countries to agree on a common approach to a common threat that we did not fully create and cannot fully control. A threat that comes from our relationship with nature itself. A threat that comes from a virus. Dear friends, Although most young people didn't lose their lives to COVID-19, they lost many other things. Many of you lost social contact and suffered isolation, anxiety or depression. Many of you lost out on the interaction with teachers and fellow students. That's such an important part of education. Many of you lost your jobs. Maybe you even lost someone you loved. And you weren't the only ones. The pandemic inflicted huge losses on communities, countries, businesses, and economies. Those losses must not be in vain and must not be repeated. We can make sure they are not. The pandemic agreement is mission critical for humanity. If it had been in place before COVID-19, we would not have lost so much. We would not have suffered so much. At the generation that lived through COVID-19, we have a collective responsibility to protect future generations from the suffering we endured. As young people, you have the most to gain from a strong agreement. It's likely you will face another pandemic in your lifetime. We can't know how mild or severe it might be. But, We can be prepared. So, we need you to raise your voices, to tell your leaders that you want this agreement, you want this accord. It's your future. And we need you to raise your voices to counter the lies that are undermining the agreement on social media, in conversations with your friends and families, and in any other way. We cannot allow this historic agreement, this milestone in global health, to be sabotaged by those who spread lies, either deliberately or unknowingly. Because ultimately, the pandemic agreement is about you, your world, and your future i thank you and moderator back to you
5: thank you dr tedros very much for your wise and preventive uh, words especially in the context of global pandemic as we've witnessed and lived so i want to share some insight At West, the pandemic forced us to adapt to a hybrid format. And this year, we want to reflect on the impact of the pandemic and the need for an international treaty of preparedness and response. As a forum that connects students from all around the world, as we can see, we wanted to kickstart a campaign that empowers young people to become advocates for a pandemic accord by sharing their stories. Over the last few days, we have been calling on you to share your stories with us, and we wanted to welcome some of those students to engage in this conversation. I would like to introduce some of your fellow delegates, starting with Elizabeth, Catherine, Sergi, and Sophia. We want to highlight the role of Young Voices in the discussion, and we are pleased that we can have this conversation about the role of the Pandemic Accord with Dr. Tedros. Before we hear from our student panelists, I want to remind you of our online Q&A platform. Our in-person and virtual audience can use the code 3642022 to join our event and submit questions I can pose to Dr. Tedros. Um, it would be mindful to write down the. number i can repeat it if you want it's three six four twenty twenty two it would be great if you could share some information about your experiences with your questions so dr tedros can understand your perspective but first it would be great to hear a little more from each of our panelists so um let's start with elizabeth if you could share your story and insight into your
6: experiences with the COVID
5: pandemic, thank you.
6: All right, thank you very much. Um, During the COVID, the year 2020, I was in my final year of my undergraduate degree in Nigeria. And during that time, Nigeria was not prepared for a time in education where we could move to an online lecture. So as a final year student, I lost one year of my education during the pandemic. And what what was more important for me was that I saw every day, because everyone had the news on every time because we were all scared, we were afraid. And I saw every day how um, CNN had this record of daily deaths, daily, everything the record was there every time and it was just so intriguing for me that we could see how we were generating so much data and how this affected every single one of us so in that period i couldn't go to school i didn't have any job no money i was with my parents they couldn't go to work either so it was a tough time for every one of us and i saw that if only i had a skill that i could be doing while at home in the event of the lockdown that would have really made um tremendous effort in my life and in the finances of my parents so i went ahead to make a lot of research about data analytics and i saw that this was a way excuse me this was a way for me to make more money while at home and also impact economic research about the pandemic so that was how I started it and I was able you know to learn the skills and I saw that the impact of research on the climate on the pandemic was quite enormous and I saw that we um institutions were able to know which areas were most affected Governments were able to see how well they should tighten the lockdown in particular areas. The impact of data and and research on the pandemic was enormous. And I just wanted to place myself in a position where I could be of help to my country, I could be of help to my community and the world at large. And that's my experience with the pandemic. I lost a year, I lost everything, but I was still able to find silver linings in the gray cloud and find a way to position myself in economic research for the pandemic. Thank you very much,
5: Thank you very much for sharing your story. I was wondering what inspired you to come to us and share your story with
6: us? All right, thank you very much for that. Um, What inspired me really was the proposed accord. And one highlight I got from the accord is that there was a need to ensure equity in access to the tools to prevent diseases. I mean, to prevent further pandemics. And when you look at a country like Nigeria, we did not have so much access to preventable tools. We, We, although we didn't have as much death tolls as the rest of the world but we were affected in terms of poverty rates and it was so much for us that we did not have sufficient healthcare, you know to to prepare ourselves for this pandemic and you know i just had to come share my story and say that we as youths we have this power in our hands we have the ability to ensure that we create change and one way i have positioned myself to do, to do this is in the area of research and analytics that way i can show that in my future, and for other, for future generations, if we are able to create measures, sustainable solutions through data and research for the pandemic, then we can stop further pandemics from happening, or ensure that we are better prepared for the pandemic. Thank you
5: very much, Elizabeth. We'll now move to Catherine to share your insights and your stories and how you
7: lived the pandemic and why you, you are so eager to share your story today with us. Um, so, yes, so my name is Catherine. I'm from the University of Southampton. And during COVID, I was um, at the end of my sort of secondary, well, my um, A levels, so kind of the end of school exams. Um, and um, because uh, we ended up having our exams cancelled, which at the time I was quite happy about because I didn't have to do the exam. Um, but, um, but it did mean that it was a lot harder to get back into the practice of doing exams when we started university. Um, and then kind of moving into and also I think we had um, our grades based off mock exam results and I know um, for some people if um, they kind of don't do so well in mock exams but then improve a lot um, after getting those results and they didn't really have that chance to improve on those results so um, I think given your A-levels sort of decided which university you could go to or if you could go to university at all um, I think that was quite a big impact for, for a lot of people um, and then I started university in Covid as well um, and I think um, we had a lot of lessons online and, and things like that and that made it quite difficult in terms of socialising um, and you're when you're leaving home for the first time um, you're already quite homesick and you want to see your parents and things like that but um, if you can't um, and you can't really see them and um, you can't make friends to help distract you from homesickness that made it quite difficult and then sort of after Christmas we got locked down at home um, which um, meant you were sort of with your parents so you didn't have the homesickness problem but then um, it sort of meant that for me at least um, I became very very focused on work because there was nothing else to distract me from it so um, it kind of didn't really have much of a life um a work-life balance and became very very stressed so that wasn't much fun um so i was interested in um getting involved in this and, and sort of sharing my story because i think young people were perhaps often quite often overlooked because they weren't necessarily the ones that were most well they weren't the people who were most likely to die from covid um but they were kind of the secondary impacts which did um affect you quite a lot so as i say things like education you're at a quite key period of your life for example particularly if you're doing exams because that can kind of determine eventually what job you can do whether or not you go to university and things um and there are still impacts today so kind of what school attendance is like and sort of child mental health as well um so i think it's really important that young people do share their stories and um kind of make it clear that it was you know it affected young people as well even if it wasn't directly in the sense of dying from covid so yeah.
5: thank you very much catherine for your intervention uh i was wondering dr tedros do you have any questions or any comments to make so far
4: Hmm. You can stay one step ahead of stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of Hefty Large Black bags. This is the smell of a warm 3-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy.
0: <sniffs> and this is the smell of that same sandwich in a
2: Hefty Ultra Strong trash bag with new Fabuloso Lemon scent.
4: Hefty, Hefty, Hefty.
2: <sniffs> <sighs> smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get hefty ultra strong with new fabuloso lemon scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon.
3: Um, I'm, I'm really glad uh, to see actually the, um, uh, you know, your own personal experience. Uh, you know, uh, as I said in my, in my speech, it has affected many and I can see from colleagues how the COVID pandemic has affected uh, their, their lives, and even affected what they're they're doing now and their interests. Uh, and I'm glad also to see not only the impact in a negative way, but the passion also to do something about it. Uh, and that's why we are here today. And um, of course, you're already uh, saying uh, talking about it, but. Uh, Since this is your uh, initiative, uh, I would like to hear more about how you can influence the negotiations. So we have the pandemic agreement in time uh, this year. Some innovative ideas you have to make it happen. I would really appreciate.
5: Thank you very much. Uh, We'll now hear from Sergi, right?
2: Yeah, my name is Sergi. I'm from Barcelona. I study law in UPF, Barcelona, and well, I think my story is a bit similar to yours, Catherine, because I was studying my, I was just finishing my a levels, bachillerato, in Spanish, in Spanish sorry, and I just quitted one day my high school, and I wasn't aware without realizing that I was really saying goodbye to a vital epoch, and. Because after that the Spanish government established the uh, obliged quarantine and we'll stay in we'll keep in in our home and it was just really hard to create new social relations to maintain our connection our friends our family and I don't know it just it was just a harsh transition to university because we were supposed to to decide what we, will, what we um, were supposed to do with our lives. And this moment was crucial for me. In this sense, the thing that makes me participate in this um, amazing debate is to share our feelings, our opinions, our point of views, and try to establish a, a common because we all have a common aspect in in image story is that the way we all face global challenges. I think COVID was uh, obviously a global challenge, and we have some different opinions than that we we must put in common. And well, uh, actually, in this sense, um, I would like to point out like social um, relations where (laughs) <laughs> Sorry. that social relations were established only by technology so we just developed a dependence on technology and i think that this just leads us to develop some social issues that we have to to raise awareness of and to treat
5: thank you very much sergi opinion why should young people get more involved um, in these conversations why is it that important
2: for that main reason because we all have different opinions we'll have to i would say the moral obligation to contribute to the commonwealth and to work together to try to improve the way we actually face global challenges and um, create a consensus on how do we have to face the next pandemic, because we, we just um, know that it's going to happen.
5: Thank you very much. You're welcome. Finally, let's hear from Sofia.
8: Hi, I'm Sofia, also from Barcelona. And as Catherine and Sergei, I did my final year of Bachillerato High School. During the first months of the pandemic, we were all locked up and we sort of were like the guinea pigs of this transition to a digital education. We were were supposed to be digital natives, but at the same time we were just like suddenly finding ourselves that we had to learn from online platforms without having ever learned how to do this. And at the same time, teachers were suddenly facing this new way of teaching, So they were also learning. So I feel like, yeah, this also continued during the first year of university. Actually in Spain, many of us did our whole first year of university from home, online. Uh, And somehow like, we were building the basis of our future professional knowledge. And we had to do this online and with methods which were still not fully, uh, well-implemented or, yeah. And, and this leads me to, to the importance of participating and hearing our stories. Um, governance and levers are gonna govern our future. So it's important not just for the quality of decision-making or for democratic values that we share our different values, our different stories and our different opinions, but also because these decisions are gonna shape our future so we 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 should ensure that our voices are being heard and we should ensure that those in power or those making the decisions take into account our stories Uh, actually back home i'm in a youth organization promoting social integration for children and we found ourselves during the first and second year of the pandemic that we had to work with like, with children, work in integrating children. And we had to do this online. And this just like, we, we felt that this just accentuated inequality, already existing inequalities. And yeah, like we know better than most people how this was. We heard also the, the children's stories firsthand. And yeah, that's why like, we're a bit older than these children so we we also should bring their stories to the table and ensure that they are going to be in the future with us so ensure that they are being heard
5: thank you very much sophia (laughs) i was wondering how did your experiences shape your views on the importance of a pandemic accord
8: um yeah basically uh, as i was saying like i feel the pandemic just like accentuated uh, accentuated already existing inequalities so a pandemic accord would be the perfect tool just to uh, bring a common response that's that can make an impact on everyone regardless of where they're from their social background their racial backgrounds So yeah, and and I think it's very important to bring everyone and to hear everyone's opinion in this accord in order that that no one is left from the debate, left out from the debate.
5: Thank you very much for your answer. Thank you to all panelists for sharing your insights. I'd like to leave it to Dr. Tedros to share his remarks with us.
3: Yeah. No, thank you. Thank you very much, indeed. Um, um, you know, I'm, I'm really glad that, um, you know, you're taking this uh, head-on, because this is your future, as I, as I said. Uh, and your voice is very important in many ways. One, it, it brings fresh perspective. Uh, you're not stuck with the status quo or some status quo, uh, the, the, because uh, you're young and, you know, you can bring new ideas and 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 approach. So you have to use, use that, the, your fresh, fresh uh, perspective. And the other is the energy and passion that I can see now. Uh, and um, that will really drive uh, the pandemic accord. And then the third is, I'm glad. I think it's Sophia who said, uh, you're digital uh, natives, and you know how to use it. Um, And that's actually to your advantage. And I was also saying with colleagues here, you're digital uh, generation, but I think the digital natives uh, um, describes it well. So that's to your advantage, and you can use that... Um, to to help uh, in the in promoting the pandemic accord, of course uh, that digital um, native advantage also means you're networked, so you can mobilize, uh, and w- through mobilization, your your voice uh, can be can be heard. So I think um, the fresh perspective. The energy and passion that that your digital natives and the interconnectedness is your advantage, and and this pandemic agreement is about you, your future. So I I hope you will um, deliver in in time to have the agreement uh, this year. So all the best, best of luck. Uh, but today. I think of course this meeting helps, uh, but as WHO look forward to working with you even more more closely uh, to have uh, the pandemic agreement uh, in time as, as promised by member states. So thank you so much moderator and, and, and back to you.
5: Thank you very much, Dr. Tedros. Um, just a quick reminder. Mm-hmm. Thank you for all those of you that have submitted your questions via Slido. Just want to remind you of the code, which is 3642022. And as we start, we already have plenty of questions. And our first one is from our online audience. And it is Jordan, a first-year medical student at Harvard Medical School and the founder of the Medical Communications Coalition, which is a team of students' leaders who are working to create TikTok and Instagram content to help educate youth about the pandemic accord. So the question that Jordan asks is the following, how can we best fight misinformation surrounding the pandemic accord, especially on social media?
3: So moderator, is that for me, or you want to give it to yes, your colleagues you. there?
5: Yeah, they are asking about the Pandemic Accord because they want to understand it better. So the question, which I will reiterate, is, how can we best fight misinformation surrounding the Pandemic Accord, especially on social media? Uh,
3: by the way, uh, Jordan, thank you so much. I just watched your uh, TikTok. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> it's very impressive. Congratulations. And um, uh, I think uh, you have already answered the question by actually acting. You have done it. So the question is how do we mobilize uh, all, um, uh, you know, the young people to contribute in the social media to to explain what the accord means to you, uh, to show them that this is your future. So everybody says with one voice, this is our future and this is what we want. And you can even include specific things like equity, for instance, which, uh, you know, uh, during the panel, I think the panel members have already said, um, equity was, lack of equity was one of the problems during this pandemic. And how do we make sure that, you know, um, people have access to the tools that are produced so we don't repeat the same thing, and if we have pandemic accord, uh, the equity uh, problems we face can be can be can be addressed. So Jordan, you have done it, and we want uh, you know all young people to do like like you're doing, and that's how uh, we can make sure that uh, the pan- the misinformation is is addressed. You know, passing the right information through uh, the social media. Thank you, and back to you.
5: Thank you, and thank you, Jordan, for asking your question. And I hope that you are watching us right now and keep going with your TikToks, right? So another question for you, Dr. Tedros, uh, that comes from an anonymous from our Slido chat, asking what concrete measures can, should, young people do to increase the cooperation of their respected home countries? Um, yeah, so that's the question.
3: I I think it in my in, in my speech. What what you can do is first of all, you have to understand what the accord means, what's the content of the accord, and I have outlined it in my in my speech. And explaining that would be very important, and also asking for it because um, uh, you know the list uh, actually covers the areas where we have seen um, challenges during during the pandemic. Uh, so uh, you can talk to your uh, leaders, saying uh, we should not repeat the same mistake and these are where the problems and these are the solutions and the government should agree on the solutions whether it's equity or whether it's sharing of information uh, or whether it's uh, you know finance and 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 other uh, contents of the pandemic uh, agreement to 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 be um, you know supported by your respective uh, governments so please have a look at uh, the, you know, list of negotiations that are happening, uh, I know you know the challenge that we have faced, and press for the solutions to be uh, incorporated into the accord, so we have um, the accord to um, not repeat, you know, agreed on time, uh, not re- then not repeat the same mistake again. And we will be better prepared in, in the future.
5: Thank you very much for your answer. Um, As you've heard, all our panelists come from different countries and regions in the world. So I'd like to ask you the same question so you can provide your personal insights from your point of view. I'll repeat the question, which was what concrete measures can or should young people do to increase the cooperation of their respected home countries? And
6: we will start with Elizabeth. All right, thank you. Um, just to reiterate what retread what Dr. Tedder said. He talked about that there exists rampant misinformation about the peace, about about the accord and also about the effects of the pandemic, post pandemic. And this is where we come in as youths. We have, we all have access to social media. We are all, some of us are influencers on social media and we have, you know, the power to reach thousands and thousands of people with the right information. And this is also what I talked about, about being an analyst or a research analysts, we can create um, dashboards, we can create pictorial evidence of what the pandemic has done and where we can come in as youth and what we can do also about the pandemic in the future. And for someone that would not understand rows and columns of data, dashboards is just the right, right way to do it. So when we create this pictorial evidences of the pandemic, the effects of the pandemic, then other people people in power our government they can see this and understand what we are talking about and they can now be in line with the accord and also do things that would af- that would help our future as youth i mean we are young people we get to live the life the the effects of the pandemic for the rest of our lives. And just like Dr. Tedra said, we might also experience another pandemic in our lifetime. And this is how we can we can start from now. It starts from every single thing we do from this moment onward. It starts from every post we can make. It starts, it starts from everyone we can talk to. Not everyone would understand until someone breaks it down, right, for them. And that's, that's the power we have as young people. And that's why I agree with what Dr. Tedra, Dr. Tedra said.
5: Thank you very much, Elizabeth. Yeah. It's true that all experts agree that our future is made of pandemics. Do you have any input to the question to add? Feel free to engage in the conversation.
2: Well, I do think that we have to encourage young people to engage youth assemblies or associations, because promoting associations, associations is the basis of um, letting people approach their political values or the consensus so in order to to let um, change the way we face um, this global this global aspect
8: yeah if, if i you. can hear i would like to add that sometimes like as young people as individuals like it feels like this is like a, a big a so so it's so big that we cannot participate and like in this way it's like so important what Elizabeth say, said about just like engaging with social media which like can amplify our voices but also like what Sergey said that's what better way to make our voices heard than just associating participating in into organizations youth organizations so yeah
5: thank you uh, Catherine do you want to add anything
7: um yeah so i i think um, probably you can just sort of start at a very small level and maybe just speak to friends if they've got kind of um, misinformed ideas about um, the accord and just kind of break those down and maybe sort of um, if you're part of a university then you can always kind of speak to your student union and see if they can release a statement about it or something like that or um, you know you can write a letter to your local MP or something like that there are sort of lots of little things you can do that I think um, it's it's easy to think, oh, you know, you need to take on the whole world, you need to go viral and, and things like that. But there are kind of, I think it's important to, to remember that there are kind of these smaller things that you can do to, like writing a letter to an editor or something for a, a newspaper or um, something like that to um, kind of work your way up. Yeah,
6: that's yeah very quickly, going. like
8: with, uh, with what Katrin said, like sometimes like engaging in small things, like in uni and stuff, like, I don't know. Uh, Sergey and I in, in, engaged in uh, this delegation here, and this has led us here. And now we're talking here to the Dr. Tedros. So it's like with these small actions, we're suddenly being able to make our story be heard. So.
5: Yeah, I, I think it's definitely definitely true because I view it as follows. The people that have the power to make decisions right now will probably not be as impacted as we we are going to be. And it may be too late by the time we get to act on it and have the power to do so. So that's why the pandemic accord is even more relevant nowadays. And yeah, thank you very much for answering the question. And I hope that Dr. Tedros gets more insight from us. Uh, We'll now move into the next uh, question which is uh, how can we further emphasis on mental health and how to better support people during the pandemic who have lost their jobs, studies, loved ones? I would just like to remind you that it's a conversation, so feel free to answer the question. Dr. Tedros too, you can engage anytime with the panelists and whoever wants to start answering might. Does any of you want to answer the question first? Yeah. So the question is: How can we further emphasis on mental health, and how to better support people during the pandemic who have lost their jobs, studies, and loved ones? I think we all know people that suffered from the pandemic. I mean, me the first. Uh, my sister's best friend lost her dad while well, he was in complete perfect health. Like no one would have thought that if he ever caught COVID, he would be the first one to die. Right? Many people would like it, it's not necessarily the older ones or the weaker ones that get to, to die because of COVID and they all get impacted. So how can we support these people like through these hard times, how like even if we do not suffer from the consequences of the pandemic?
6: Okay, um, I'll go first. Um, concerning that we have seen that, um, like I said before, the youth, we have so much power in our hands. And one way we can support people and i'm talking from experience i re- i went through a lot during the pandemic because i was seeing myself losing one year of school just because my school did not have the capacities to handle um online lectures Um, one thing i have seen is that uh, um youth have the power and i have a friend in nigeria she created an org- organization that caters to people that lost uh, a lot of things post pandemic. And she doesn't just do that for the pandemic. She does that for um, also environmental crisis because we're facing a lot of that in Nigeria. And she kind of created this safe space you know, for people to come and talk about their problems, and then they were able to guide them on to professionals to help them in these cases. And I see that a lot of people have faced post pandemic, these kind of issues, but they do not see the platform or the places to go talk about these things. And sometimes mental health issues are kind of disregarded especially when you speak up online you could hear things like oh be strong it's not that deep but it is that deep and this, these are the issues that we are talking about so um, we could create we could all come up with a lot of things platforms for people to talk safely about what they are going through post-pandemic and yes it's been almost four years After the pandemic and we see there are still a lot of people suffering from the effects of the pandemic so we can come up with organizations we can come up with community talks we can come up with even in the school we can come up with shows and things that talk about the impact of mental health and how you know youths can become involved in this that way we are spreading the information we are also getting help to people who need access who need this help and then in the long run, it all trickles up to you know be, becoming big. Definitely, small yeah. actions have bigger impacts on a bigger scale, right? Yeah. Yeah.
5: Um, do you have any insight on the question?
8: Uh, yeah, actually, uh, I don't know. It may be a quite an obvious answer, but like, I think one of the worst or yeah, worst effects of the pandemic, like in terms of mental health, was, was like isolation. So that's why many people then just like suffered so much. Apart, of course, from the like obvious health effects, so I think that we should all realize and raise awareness of the fact that we should create like like a very basic level support network. Just it's like an obvious uh, thing, but like asking our friends, our family, how are they doing? Um, giving their, them the space to speak up and uh, to talk about, because sometimes it's just like we engage in bigger things and sometimes what we just need is just like to break this isolation within our closest networks, so.
5: Yes, definitely. As we know, COVID um, impacted us at the time during the pandemic and it still impacts us today. I'd say me the first, um, I suffer from long COVID I mean, you didn't know obviously, so I'm telling you now. Um, I've got COVID four times, and the last time was last September. And so it has impacted me way after the pandemic um, ended, if we can say that the pandemic ended at some point. And I still suffer from the consequences nowadays, like it has definitely given me less energy to keep track in my studies, I'd say. I have, uh, I get tired faster, I'm more inclined to get sick. I never miss a day of school throughout my whole school history. And ever since I caught COVID, I can literally get so sick, just if there's a wind or if I don't uh, dress um, warm enough. So yeah, we can see that COVID still impacts people in their lives nowadays, even in small, uh, I'd say, areas of their lives. So how do you think COVID still impacts you today?
2: Well, actually, first of all, I do think that um, young people were blamed for for the infections provoked by COVID, at least from my point of view, and that we created uh, a generational gap between adults and young. So we, at least me, I felt really sc- excluded from the actual um, adult society. And I don't know if um, you share... Disopinion or share opinion? Yeah. Uh, so, so I, I do think that in this sense, um, mental health is really important, but we have to take into consideration that society did blame young people for, for actions, and generally, we were aware of the situation, and we were not treated as we were supposed to.
5: Thank you very much, dear panellists, for your intervention. Now I'll leave it to Dr. Tedros for a final remark on the subject. So what do you think, Dr. Tedros, about the topics we've discussed so far? And how did COVID impact you and how does it still impact you? I mean, regardless of your position as Director General of the World Organization.
3: Yeah. No, thank you. First of all, I'm glad uh, uh, that you invited me. Uh, in your uh, forum. Uh, Thank you so much. I wish I could be there with you in person. Um, And second, I'm really impressed by the initiatives you have already started. Um, You know, the Pandemic Accord, uh, the Member States have agreed to have a deal by May 2024, this year, Uh, And uh, your participation will be very, very important. And uh, I'm very encouraged by our discussion today. Uh, And please uh, continue pushing because, as I said earlier, um, you have fresh perspective, you have energy and passion. I can see um, your digital natives and the interconnectedness you have because of the, uh, you know, the... um, uh, because your digital uh, generation, uh, it can help you to mobilize the youth so the pandemic uh, code can be understood uh, globally, and we have uh, the agreement um, uh, this year. Uh, and my thanks to Iman uh, for um, moderating, and also uh, excellent interventions from Elizabeth, Catherine, Sergi, and Sofia. And I hope uh, this will be the beginning of uh, a long uh, partnership and uh, look forward uh, to working uh, with you. On the impact, um, the, the, you know, you asked one question. I think the impact on me, not as Director General, but as, as a person, uh, COVID's impact is, is very great, actually, uh, and serious. Uh, maybe we will have uh, some other time to the, to discuss because I have many stories I can I can share about that. So since we're running out of time, um, look forward to tell you some some stories uh, from you know the um, starting from when the pandemic started, and especially at the height of the 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 pandemic. Uh, but like like you as a member of the uh, global uh, community of course myself and family uh, have, have have been affected by it so thank you uh, so much again for this opportunity and look forward to uh, working with you uh, closely in the next few months until may uh, to have the pandemic accord and please use your power use your voice it can make a difference, and this is your future. Thank you so much, and back to you Iman.
5: Thank you so much Dr Tedros for joining us here at West 2024, which is the largest student-led academic conference in Europe. We have heard the need uh, of... the need for action and power of young people, While you are here with us, and when you return to your respective universities, we ask you to join us. Indeed, let's not just be attendees of all these events, but active participants in the change we want to see in the world.
1: Thank you for listening today. And you know what? She has a good point. Don't be just inactive participants and attendees to things. Learn to take action. Vote. Write letters speak out so that our government officials, not only locally or nationally, but globally know that the people feel a certain way. They feel that we need to balance the scales and find help for all those who actually want and need it. Please find the subscribe button wherever it may be, and continue listening, and please keep sharing. If you have a podcast, send it over to us. Email us at, at info at depictionsmedia.com, and so we can share and create a movement of people wanting to help and end some of the things that are happening in our world that are harming humanity
4: with the lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere
0: this is your captain speaking uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky no no nothing like that it's just these cash prizes add up quick so i suggest you sit back keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky
1: This show has been produced by Depictions Media. Please contact us at depictions.media for more information.
0: 18- Plus.